Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Soft, with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. Another week has gone by. We're back together again. How are you doing? Hey, I got a question for you. Serious question. What do you think of Paul? Every week you guys hear Paul give the intro. And, and, and what do you think of the, the music? I, you know, I've never actually asked you guys that. Do you like the intro? Do you like the music? Does it? And then next question. How many of you actually just fast forward, right? Hit that, you know, plus 30, plus 60, plus 10, plus 15, whatever plus button you've got to fast forward. When it starts, you just like skip it automatically and say, I want to get right to the prail. In fact, if I know you, what you're probably doing is you're skipping me right now because you're like, ah, prail, yaddles and prattles on nonstop the start of the show. I get it. I get tired of hearing me talk too. Let me know. Send me a message. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you think of the music and what you think of Paul. Should I fire Paul? Should I keep Paul? Is Paul a closer? Does he close the deal and make you want to listen to me? You're hearing my guests in the background laughing. It's all going to make sense momentarily. But I wanted to share a story. Today's topic, it's a fun topic. Let me tell a personal story. I'm going to set the stage. Here we go. When I was a young lad, when I was a young lad, I had a couple of challenges, you know, getting to the point of getting married. All right. The first part was I had to actually get the young lady, my now wife, to actually agree to even, you know, spend time with me, to date me, to know that I'm even alive. I know you don't have that problem, but you didn't see me when I was in school. I had a lot working against me. And the funny part was she flirted with me first. There's a whole story there. She actually initiated. And then I'm like, hmm, she's cute. And let's see what happens here. And then when I got to know her a little better, it turns out there's another guy on the scene. Another guy on the scene. Now, what's working against me? What sales challenges did I have as I pursued this deal and try to close it? The challenges I had was this other fellow was a tall lad, 6'2", 6'3", slender. Basically, and you know what I'm talking about when I say this, he looked a lot like her father as a physical specimen. And we all tend to want to marry, you know, our mothers or our fathers. Do we not? My mom, five foot two, tiny little blonde. I thought I was going to marry a tiny little blonde. It's weird, the psychology. So I'm competing with this innate desire for this young lady to leave this man she's with and spend time with me instead. So we have this back and forth and I'm working on my early, early years sales mojo magic, trying to create some compelling value propositions. And then eventually we get to the point that we get him out of the way. Whoop, he's gone. Yeah, Daryl. Now we're from top of funnel to middle of the funnel. Life is, life is good. We're working it. It's going well. It's going really well, right? We're spending time together. Fast forward over a year. We're an item, all that wonderful stuff. And I think I want to I want to do this. I want to I want to close the deal. I want to close the deal. I actually call up her parents and who I've only really met a handful of times. And I'm like, hey, I want to come and drive an hour to where they live. And I want to, you know, can we maybe break bread? And oh, well, is she coming with you? The daughter? No, she's not. It's just me. And they're like, oh. 
okay. Up we go. I drive there. My girlfriend at the time has no idea what I'm doing. We go there and we go and we have the meal. Yes, it was awkward. Lots of small talk. It's what you do, right? Yada, yada, yada. When it's all said and done, I say to him, he's a very old fashioned school kind of guy. Uh, I said, hey, uh, dad, can we go for a walk? And now they're in the country. He's like, sure. So go for a walk. Daryl doesn't go for walks. I'm going for a walk. We go for a walk down this old country lane. It's gravel. It's the sun is setting. And he's just waiting. You know, he's just waiting for whatever it is on, it's on my mind. And I finally say to him, I want your permission for your daughter's hand in marriage. And he gets this big smile on his face and he sees almost this exhale. And he's like, absolutely no problem. So why did he smile? Why did he exhale? Because when we go back to have some coffee and tea and cookies and whatever it was we had that day to celebrate plan that I'm going to pop the question, uh, it turns out they thought I was coming up to say, your daughter's pregnant. Here's what's happening next. So I closed the deal. I closed the deal. We got married and it's been 30 years plus together now. Life is good. My point is your sales cycle goes in many paths. There's going to be lots of little victories you have to come. You have to close every single one of the steps so you can ultimately close the deal. So I thought, let's talk about closing the deal. So what did I do? I said, well, my goodness, who wrote the book, The Perfect Close? Well, my goodness. It's James Muir. Do you know James Muir? You sh if you don't, you should go to puremuir.com to follow him. By the way, yes, if you haven't figured it out yet, you're damn right he's speaking at Outbound. This will be his third time there. So if you've been there before, you probably heard him talking about tactical prospecting. But this time, he's talking about the perfect close, how you can do it, what you need to know. He's got a whole bunch of stuff going on. But we've got a preview here right now. So if you can't go to Outbound, you listen to him now. If you like what you hear when he says now, then you should go see him at Outbound. My friend, James, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I am very good. Thank you for having me on, Daryl. And thank you and Vanilla Soft for sponsoring the greatest sales show on earth, which is the Outbound. Your story, there's a whole lesson on reference points. Someday we have to use that to illustrate reference point, right? Where you set yeah. an expectation, then you got, you could, <laughs> if their expectation was easy time closing that. <laughs> it's true you know it's like it's like price they think the price is going to be at a certain point if you manage the expectations you know maybe they think it's gonna be really up here well the price has come here they go huh even though it's still really expensive they go great let's do it let's do the deal they thought she That's was gonna right. be pregnant she wasn't pregnant they were happy i got the deal so it's all about references i love it that's why you never discount your initial proposal I like it. I like it. Oh, man. She's going to freak when I when she hears I told this story. That's too funny. Now, I got to ask. Now, Katie, for those who don't know James, I, I did allude to this already. I mean, this guy, he's been everywhere, right? He's been on all the networks, CBS, Fox, NBC, ABC. He's a best-selling author. He's, a, he's an advisor. He's the man when you want to make your sales organization, whether it's you or the team or the company, go to the next level that's james that's so go follow him on twitter go to his website puremirror.com check him out but i gotta ask you you did write the book called the perfect close what was the catalyst for writing that book because a lot of people are saying well this is how you sell and this is how you do a cold call and this is yada yada but you're like you're like jump to the end this is how you close what you was the and, rationale you and i are very similar you're a technical person first and in sales second right sales and marketing second well i was an operations person. So I am an accidental salesperson and I thrust into sales. And I remember I used to go out with the salespeople before that thinking, oh man, I hope I never have to do this. 
we ended up acquiring a business in another place where they needed an operations person that could sell. And then voila, I got drafted into sales. And it turned out that I'm actually perfectly cut out for sales. I love every bit of it, but I can tell you at the time, I didn't know anything about it. So much of what is in the book is actually really my discovery of how do I, I, I had read all these different books on closing and I actually was losing deals all over the place because I was using these really old school, high pressure tactics as though this was possible. So I've probably made every mistake that you can make. And so later when I started managing my own team, just it was a challenge that of them had. And also I have managed uh, subject matter experts where they would go with them. And again, if there's any part of the sale that they hate the worst, it's advancing the sale, it's closing. And so this was written originally for me, but for my team as time went on. I love it. This is your story, basically. This is your journey. And you're like, well, if I'm here, then so are other people. And boom, there you go. And before you know it, you get a best-selling book. When we were talking about this, you and I were kind of sharing stories. You made an interesting comment. You talk about, I'm paraphrasing, you're going to correct me and tell the audience the real verbiage, okay? You effectively said, in a sales process, you got to ask. You got to ask for something. So maybe set the stage for me about that whole concept. Sure. Well, so... The interesting thing is, is there are certainly lots of bad closes out there, and there's been lots of science done around those closes to, you know, to help us understand what works and doesn't work. You might be surprised to discover that the problem of not asking at all is a much bigger problem than asking in the wrong way. Uh, in fact, 50 to 90% of all sales encounters across all industries end without any person asking for any kind of a commitment at all, right? Which is terrible, right? That's exactly what we've been hired for. And so it varies a little bit by industry, but the low number is 50%. So why is that the case? What I would tell you if you said, hey, James, why do you think that that's so bad? It's that most of the tactics that are being taught out there are actually counterproductive and they actually hurt your relationship with the other person. And we're so worried that we're gonna destroy the relationship or harm it in some way that rather than use one of these tactics that's manipulative, we just don't do anything. And that's what I see happening out there. So, um, that's the, really the, the, the science behind why don't people ask. But when it does come time to ask, there's data that tells us what works the best. And a company called Gong.io has analyzed over a million sales calls from SDRs over the phone to analyze which way of advancing the sale is the most effective way. And I thought that would be something that your audience would appreciate knowing, right? As it turns out, probably no surprise since I'm on your show, that that way is the perfect close. And so there are two basic questions of the perfect close. Very simple, very first question. And maybe maybe before I tell what the question is, I should say, you know, before you go into any meeting, you should kind of have an idea of what you want to get out of the meeting, right? That would be a good idea. You should have an ideal advance. What's the best thing that could happen? And then you should also have a couple of backup advances as alternates, just in case our ideal advance isn't realistic. And if you don't know what an advance is, a guy named Neil Rackham did the largest sales study ever done. He coined those phrases. An advance is moving the sale forward in a little way is what that is. And then there's another term he coined that's useful to know. It's called a continuation, where a continuation is a scenario where the, the sale doesn't move forward, but it isn't ending either. So it just kind of continues. All right. With that backdrop, Daryl, the, the magic question is, does it make sense for us to X? That's it. Does it make that's sense your for ask. us to We're X? There. Did you see what That's he did it. there, folks? That was the ask. That was right there. It was really subtle. You know, blah, blah, blah. Does it make sense for us to continue the conversation? Does it make sense for us to demonstrate how we can, you know, fix your problems? Blah, blah, blah. Of course, again, you do it way better than I do. But that was the ask. Does it make sense to? Okay. Remember, guys, the theory, the premise of inside, inside sales is we're going to help you be 1% 
marginally better. One actual piece of advice. Today's Does It Make Sense 2. We can stop now. We don't need to talk anymore. It's done, right? That's it. There you go. We're done. Now, of course, as it turns out, there's a, there's a second part. So when you teach this to folks, hands down, the number one thing they're worried about is, well, well what if they say no, right? And so there's only two things they can say that doesn't make sense. They're going to say yes, they're going to say no. If they say yes, awesome, right? You got your advance. If they say no, then you're just going to use the follow-up question. And there's actually several different variations, but the most basic kindergarten version follow-up question is throwing the ball back to the customer and just say, okay, well, what do you think is a good next step? Okay. Now there, there's better things to do than that. So, you know, but I can tell you, I've been on hundreds of ride-alongs and what will happen is in 90% of cases, the customer will actually just suggest a very logical next step for where they're at in their buying process right now. And probably the more important thing of both of those questions is that neither one's high pressure is that they're both zero pressure. They're both non-confrontational and they leave you emotionally on a much, much higher ground, regardless of how the person answers. If I say, hey, will you buy my stuff? And they say, no, we're, you know, we're kind of tanked at that point. If I say, does it make sense? And they say, no, they haven't really said, no, I'm not going to buy your stuff because that's not what I asked. I just asked if the timing was right. And so at its core, does it make sense is really a timing question. It's not a commitment question. The, the good news is that they can see the direction we're headed, right? And so that, that you're telegraphing what you're going to ask next if they say yes to that. And so it just leaves us emotionally on much higher ground than anything else. And it's great that the, the science has proven that it, it just works out. It's, it's a much of a, of a more of a high EQ type of a way of advancing the sale. So what I love about what you're saying, anybody who'll listen to me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's not what you ask, it's how you ask it, right? Everybody can handle a big boy, big girl question. And you did just that. Does it make sense too? And it is a timing aspect, but you're also seeking their opinion and, and, and no one can leave it just hanging. They say no. Well, they're not going to say no. They do go silent. You're just going to say, okay, help me understand that. Or what do you think does make sense? Like you say, you're throwing it back at them every single time, but chances are they're going to say no because because we're all conditioned socially that that's how the conversation is supposed to go. And you're not the bad person. You're just asking a question. Does it make sense? You're seeking their input. Their and the beauty of that is, remember, they, they kind of feel in control. Does it make sense? Well, I'm going to tell you if it makes sense or not. Therefore, I'm in control. Therefore, this is not a sales call. We're just having a conversation. And I kind of like you because we're having a respectful conversation. That's brilliant. That's the ask. And you alluded to the psychology of it, right? Where you kind of said, well, what's the worst case is going to happen? You know, if they say yes, great. And if they say no, you're going to say, okay, well, what does make sense? So don't fear the rejection. Or as Andrea Waltz likes to say, if you do fear the rejection, then go for the no. I love what you're saying there. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'm going to ask James, because he had talked about this a little bit. He talked about, you know, before you get into a call, you, you got to prep. He made that reference. I'm going to ask him to give us what questions should we be prepared to address before we ever even get to the part where you say, does it make sense to whatever? All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. 
Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. Okay, so on the commercial, did you fast forward again? You fast forward over Paul, did you fast forward to the commercial? Or do you listen? I'm just kind of curious, what's the connection there? Talk to me. Or did you use that time to ignore the commercial and to ponder, hmm, what are the questions I should be prepared to know the answers to before I ever get to the, the point where I'm saying, does it make sense too? Paul, talk to me. I got Paul in my head now. James, talk to me. <laughs> Give me the answer. What three questions should we be prepared to, or more or less, to address? There are three magic pre-call questions that you should answer before you go into any call or any encounter at, at all. And the first one of those is, why should the client see me? Right? In fact, let me tell you all three and then we'll, we can dig down. Okay. So the three questions are, why should this client see me? What do I want the client to do? And how can I provide value on this encounter? Those three things. That's the three questions you should ask before every call. And I'm all about keeping it simple. Right? So for, for pre-call prep, that's pretty simple. The first question, why should this client see me? What that does is that's getting right to the core of the value proposition. Why should I spend even a minute with you if there's not some win in it for me? And a huge mistake that a lot of you know, prospecting people do is they, hey, I want to get 30 minutes on your calendar so that you can tell me about your business. Folks, there's no value in that at all. Zero. You need to have a value proposition. And just to keep it really simple, there's a formula for value prop. It is is direction plus metric plus magnitude. So a, a metric is like, let's just say it's uh, accounts receivable or in sales, it'd be like a close ratio, okay? A close ratio is a metric, okay? So we help people improve close ratios by 22% or more, okay? That is an example of value prop. And so you need to know what the hard value is that you bring before you ever meet with a customer. And you should have a value hypothesis when you go in there, like, hey, I think, I can improve your close ratios by 22%. That is the reason that they should see you. And you should have a, a couple. You, you need to have a value prop for everything that you do, as well as the individual elements within your software. So for example, VanillaSoft does a lot of different things. There is a value prop for every little feature inside of VanillaSoft. And we should be able to articulate what that is. So that's the first question. Um, the second one is, what do I want the client to do? And that gets to what we were just talking about a second ago. That is, we should have an ideal advance. What's the best thing that we could hope for for this, as well as a couple of alternatives. And you can use those in a couple of different ways. Let's just say, I say, hey, does it make sense for us to schedule an assessment to see what our best options are? If they say no to that, I could say, all right, well, sometimes clients at this other stage do this other thing. Does it make sense for us to do that? Now, do you see how facilitative that is? We're just falling back to our second advance, right? Now, the interesting thing about preparing the advances answering the question what I want the client to do is you can also use them as an add-on. So I have a client say, yeah, I'd love to do that. And they go, great. You know what? Sometimes clients at this stage also do this other thing. Should we do that too? And then boom, they give me that. And so we call that the add-on where we just keep piling on the advances. Either way, the key is preparing before you go into the call, what are the things that you would like to have happen as a result of the call? Okay. And then the last one is how can I provide value? And here's the interesting thing is there was some research done a few years ago that discovered that there is a scenario under which clients are more likely to pay a premium. They're more willing to pay more for a solution than not. There were three scenarios where that was true. And that is that the seller identified an unanticipated solution, a solution that they didn't expect. The seller identified an unrecognized problem. So there was some problem or challenge they didn't realize they had, the client didn't. The seller identified some kind of unseen opportunity, an opportunity they didn't know about. Now, here's the thing. All three of those have a really interesting similarity, and that is they are unexpected by the client. So what we want to do 
is we want to provide some form of unexpected value on the call. And we want to make our call inherently valuable so that it's worth being with us. Let me just tell you, if you're not doing that, then the client can get everything they need off the internet. They really don't need you. So it's important for us to build up our subject matter and our domain expertise so that we can be adding value on every single call. Wow. For those who are watching the video, I have a wonderful little iPad down here where I take down a thousand notes and I try to keep up with it with my guys so I can come back and actually sound like I know what I'm talking about. And he just went bam, 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 bam. If you're like me, you're going, that was brilliant. What did he say again? So let's going to go back. So you, you, did, you had a wonderful formula for value prop and the value prop, remember, was in response to the first question he asked, which was, why should they see me? All right. So your formula, you say it was value prop is direction plus, what was your second point there? A metric, right? It's like, how do you measure whether you improve something or not is our metric, right? So in, in finance, it'd be accounts receivable or, you know, EBITDA or right? There's, it's, some, it's something that can be measured. And it was a direction plus metric equals magnitude or plus magnitude? No, no. Plus magnitude. So That's magnitude is, because okay. here's the thing, is if you come to a source and say, hey, I can improve your close ratio, the next thing in their head is, well, how much? Is it a lot or is it a little, right? So a business person wants to know the how much question. So you don't just, and plus anybody in the world can say, hey, I can make your life better in a generic way. But when you put a metric to it and create a measurement around it, it's much, much more compelling. So that's why a value prop needs to have the metric that you're changing. It needs to have the direction, like lowering costs. If you just say, hey, I can lower costs. Well, that is technically, there's some value there, but it's very ephemeral because you didn't measure it. So the magnitude answers the, how much are you gonna lower my costs, right? So if I say, hey, for organizations that have this thing that you have, we can lower your costs by 10 to 15%. Great, now they understand what the potential upside is for working with you because you've articulated it. And that's a very simple value prop, very simple. It's the direction, the metric, and the magnitude, those three elements. And you can kind of juggle them around a little bit differently, you know, depending on what's most comfortable for you and how to say it. Okay, so folks, we said 1% marginally better. Today, maybe 2% marginally better because the first one was, does it make sense to? But the second one he snuck in there in all of this discussion is that value prop. And I'm stopping there because I know a lot of you struggle, especially early in your career, you struggle with that. What is my value prop? You know, why you? Because the question was, why should they see me? And that's a valid question. Why, you know, I pick up this phone as a buyer and you go, blah, 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 blah. I just want to know, what are you selling? What's in it for me? Do I care? That, that's it. If you say something like, I go, oh, I care. I care about that. Then the conversation is going to continue. That's brilliant. Value prop. Can you do this now? If not, this is your homework. Is your direction plus your metric plus your magnitude. Let's table that. One of the things that I thought was so funny is I was listening to you saying the ass. You talked about the ass, the ass, the ass, the ass. We marketers call that. What's the uh, call to action? CTA. Right? Yeah, the it's CTA. The call to action. Right. And I can't tell you how many emails I read or social media posts, or whatever. And it's just like blah blah blah. And I'm done reading it, and I go, okay, now what? What do you want me to do? You know, that was a yeah. waste of my time. So zero CTA. Marketers have a call to action. Sales reps, you have the ask. The art of closing is basically making sure that you want to always advance. Remember, you want to advance or minimally at least have that continuation. And the trick to there is, does it make sense? Make sure that you're equipped before you ever go into that meeting so you can make that ask. You need to know why should they see me? What do I want the client to do? And how can I add value on that encounter? Now, my gut, James, is that most of them struggle with 
how can I add value on the encounter? But that's just my gut. What's your thought process? What's your experience saying? There is. And so I go to some length in the book. It's one thing to say, hey, you need to add value on your sales encounter. It's another thing to tell you exactly how to do it. And so there are, in fact, seven different ways to do that. We can do that on another podcast or they can go get the book. But there are seven different ways to add value. The number one way that we can share, which is you need to provide insight of some kind. That's the number one best uh, in terms of impact way that you can add value to a sales encounter is to turn on the light bulb for the customer in some way that they haven't realized before. If you do that, that's going to make the visit itself inherently valuable regardless of the outcome for them. And they'll be grateful that they met with you. So what I like about this conversation today, because the conversation was around the perfect close, and I'm always, I'm reminded of, you know, the ABCs, you know, always be closing. But when we hear ABC, we think that's closing the deal. When the reality is what you're trying to do is you're trying to advance the deal. Like with my wife, I closed the deal in little increments, right? Always moving the ball forward until she was finally naive and silly enough to say, I do. Boom, deal done. All right. So uh... the interesting thing about that, Daryl, is that Neil Rackham discovered in his study that in a complex sale, now simple sales are different, right? They can sometimes be closed in a single encounter. But in complex sales, what he found is that nine out of 10 encounters actually resulted in either an advance where the sale moved forward in a little way, just like you said, or a continuation where the sale is going to continue, but really no progress was made, right? right? That's what happened in nine out of 10 encounters. So like you said, when we talk about closing, we're really talking about advancing the sale and all the little steps until we get to the big step. You got it. You nailed it. Okay. If you guys like that. James made lots of references to the book, The Perfect Close, 4.8 out of five stars, a boat freaking load of reviews online. Go check it out because all of the actual substance is there. We're limited to time, but he, he just spells it out for you. Bam, 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 bam. Read it because, hey, learning is earning, right? There's my cliche for the day. James, you're going to be at the show. So here we go. Two, two part question. If I'm thinking of going to the show, give me a reason to put me over the top. The Outbound Conference. Man, there, it is uh, literally, I've been to tons of shows. There is hands down no better show. You will not get the quality of the speakers. The other thing is a ton of events that I've been to are basically pitch fests where yes. somebody will say something and then the last 15 minutes of what they're saying is trying to sell you something. You will not get even one pitch in this entire thing. It is 100% pure content. The best of the best get there. There's 2,000. They sold it out last year. I'm sure they're going to sell it out again this year. It's totally worth the time and the investment to go. You can't get that kind of quality and the density of education around sales that you can get at Outbound, hands down. And I will tell you that. I have conversations with the, the four anchors of the show, Blunt, Hunter, Anarino, and Antonio, and they're all like, just like, no pitching. It's 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 like it's in their DNA. So there's that. Best way to reach you. I, I gave it at the beginning of the show, but back at you, James, best way to reach you. Best way is puremuir.com, P-U-R-E-M-U-I-R.com. And just sign up for the newsletter. There's the best way. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, but I have 30,000 connections. And so LinkedIn has put a limit on how many connections you can have right now. So right now you can follow, but maybe someday... <laughs> I am active, very active on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to as well. It's just B2B underscore sales tips is my Twitter handle. And you're welcome to follow me on Facebook if you want to see my personal stuff. I don't care. I'm <laughs> happy to engage with anybody. So there you have it. That's another episode, folks, in the books of Inside. Inside Sales, the only show focused on making sure you are a little bit better now than when we started the show about a half hour ago. I'm Daryl Prell. I'm with Vanilla Soft. Thank you for spending time 
We shall talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored by VanillaSoft. Soft.